Sometimes after a run on Saturday, I would just be in bed the rest of the day not feeling good. I'm like, this isn't right. Like, I would feel dizzy all the time. And I started getting all this ringing in my ear, uh, my left ear. And then one day I was walking down the stairs to go to work in the morning and I almost fell. Hey, and welcome back to the next episode. If you're new here, we chat with different women about their stories as runners and kind of life in general, as though you're just going on a long run with a new friend and asking a lot of questions. And today we're joined with Isabella Janovic, who is known as Izzy B on the internet. And so she grew up playing extreme sports, like skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding. And when she was 19, she broke her back and she almost was completely paralyzed. So when she came back to sports, she chose running as it's a little bit safer. Quickly got into ultras and is now pushing the limits in ultra running, finishing races like Moab 200, and the list goes on. So I will let her get into all of that. But a quick word from our sponsor, today's podcast is brought to us by Gooder Sunglasses. So Gooder Sunglasses are the most fun you are going to get in a pair of sunglasses, hands down, guaranteed. First of all, the names, the colors, the shapes the way they fit on your face, and the fact that they are functional. They don't slip, they don't bounce, they're polarized, and you can get a different shade for different types of lights, With which definitely comes in handy if you are running on the mountain where the sun is glaring off the snow into your face, or in the trails where it's a little bit darker and you still need to see, but the light is still shining through. So that is one of my favorite things and why I get a variety of them, probably quarterly, so that I can stay up with the new fun colors and shapes. So if you go to gooder.com backslash TRW, you can see a few of my favorites. And if you use discount code TRW, you are going to get free shipping on as little as one pair. So you can impulse buy one pair and get free shipping. And that is a fantastic deal. Again, the discount code is TRW at gooder.com backslash TRW. If you would like to support the show, leaving us a rating and review is absolutely a fantastic way that you can do that and is super simple. Just hit the five-star button wherever you listen. If you listen on Apple Podcasts and want to leave us a review, that's pretty cool. And I have 54 backlog episodes up on the Patreon now, and you can find that link in my Instagram, which is hillsport55, and the link to the Patreon is there. I'm also going to do a few bonus solo casts, so if you have any topics you'd like me to cover, send them to me there. And... If you want to look at a really cute three-year-old who is crushing learning how to ski, you're going to want to go to that Instagram as well. So I will link to all of that in the show notes, but that's it from me for now. Here is Izzy B. I am joined this morning with Isabella, known as Izzy B. Janovic, who is someone who was introduced to me from another guest, Alyssa, and is also an amazing badass runner, but has such an epic story. And I'm so excited that you are joining us today to get into everything. So a huge welcome to the show, Izzy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah, no kidding. So we were just saying before the show, Izzy ran Moab 200 and we wanted to talk about it. And then I learned a bit more about your story and was like, oh no, we absolutely need to get into this as a, <laughs> as a prelude. So why don't we start from the beginning and, and tell us about your life as a kid and if you were an athlete, um, and then we'll just go from there. All right, cool. Well, um, I grew up in San Diego, so I did a lot of team sports, um, really stuck with basketball and swimming. Um, and then didn't really like team sports. I got into, uh, extreme sports. So vert ramp, skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding, 
when I was 19, I had a really bad snowboarding accident and I broke my back snowboarding. And I was extremely lucky that I was not paralyzed. I heard it. I felt it. I started screaming in pain, wiggled my toes. And it took the mountain people a long time to get me situated, to get me down the mountain. And the doctors say, because I was laying in the snow for so long that there wasn't much swelling in my back. So that's what kind of saved me from being paralyzed. Uh, I was lucky didn't need surgery. I was in a body brace for about six months. After three months, I was able to uh, do swimming therapy. Um, you know, being an athlete, it was really hard to, during, during that time, it was a really hard time. There was no social media. I think text messaging might have just came out. <laughs> so that's when I kind of went back to running. Uh, my dad w did track. And so um, I kind of grew up with that running mentor in my life. So went to running, started with road running. Um, ran my first marathon. It was awful. Um, I trained for it, but you know, it was just one of those races. I got injured at mile eight and I didn't know what a DNF was back then. I probably should have DNF'd, but I kept going and I ruined my IT band so bad. I couldn't run for a good six months after that. So lesson learned there. <laughs> then, uh, I got introduced to trail running through a boot camp I was in and I met, uh, Nicodemus Holen. I don't know if, um, some of the listeners know who he is. He's a pretty well-known legend. I didn't know anything about ultra running. Uh, I didn't know how big of a legend he was, all the races he had done. He was just my friend through boot camp, and he started a coaching business, and uh, I was kind of one of his first clients, and uh, he taught me everything about ultra running. We would go out and run together every week almost. Um, during that time is when he met Jade, his now wife, and so her and I used to run together. <laughs> and she's an amazing runner now. <laughs> if you guys don't follow Jade Bellsberg, she's awesome. Ha having a great year this year. Uh, and that's how I got to ultra running. And next thing you know, I signed up for my first 50 K Nick coached me, got through that and kind of went from there. Um, during that time in San Diego, there was really only one running group out there and they would go to the mountains every weekend. And I was like, that's cool and all, but what about the people who can't drive to the mountains every weekend who need a, a closer place to run? So that's when I founded UltraBuds, my social running group in Escondido area of San Diego and um, started off small and we're a huge group now. We've been around for eight years. We're actually going to be celebrating our eighth year running anniversary in a couple weeks here. So that was nice to start that community in San Diego. And now there's probably like six or eight different trail groups and we all know each other. We all have a blast. We do collaboration runs together all the time. San Diego trail runners, South Bay YMCA, 619, run North County. Um, I mean, I can go on and on. There's a whole long list of them, but we just had our Halloween collaboration run last weekend. So yeah, started with the 50K and just kind of went up from there. Uh, one day I decided to run a hundred miler and um, I know Jeff Browning. Um, I'm the, actually the team manager for NGNG Toe Socks. So I knew Jeff Browning and we kind of had a joke like, oh, if one day if I'll do a hundred miler, I'll have you coach me. And next thing you know, I'm like, hey, Jeff, um, I'm going to do a hundred miler. So uh, started working with Jeff and then uh, I'm like, hey, I want to do a Moab 240. Um, I actually volunteered at Moab last year and was there for a week just because I kind of had the itch. I'm like, what is this all about? 
Um, and Jeff was out there pacing Mike McKnight, who also won the race and just meeting all the runners at the finish line, hearing all their stories, watching the first place person cross the finish line, watching the last place person cross the finish line. I'm like, I could totally do this if I work hard for it. Like you don't have to be a professional elite runner to do these things. You just have to have grit, determination, hard work. So I told Jeff that day, I'm like, you have 365 days to get me ready for Moab. So we worked together, trained hard, made a lot of sacrifices this year, and I was able to cross the finish line. So, yeah, that's where I'm at today, and now I'm recovering. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a lot. <laughs> I should have taken notes on all the questions that I had, but I didn't. So let's let's, let's go back and, and break it down because I was I was really into that. Um, okay, so for context, you're 41. So we yeah. we just went through. 20 something years. Um, <laughs> let's go back to your accident a little bit. What actually happened? Like what part of your back? How oh, did you do that? So yeah, during that time, uh, um, I went a lot with my brother and his friends snowboarding and I was trying to get into the parks and the jumps and stuff. So uh, it was the end of the season. I was on a free lift ticket. I happened to work at a sporting goods store during that time. So we all got free lift tickets um, and I overshot the landing on this jump and I landed so hard on my butt that my vertebrae compressed. So it was a compression fracture is what it's called. So what was the, like you mentioned, they're not being social media. So you're probably feeling pretty isolated to be 19 and in a brace or in the hospital. What was the recovery like? Well, luckily during that time, I still lived at my parents' house and was under their insurance because I was uh, going to community college. It was before I transferred uh, so my teachers were pretty, um, patient with me. Some of the classes I was able to do, you know, through email, um, other classes I had to take breaks. And so college took me about a year longer to finish when it was all said and done, but I watched every single movie there was. I read a lot of books. I did get depressed. Um, I remember there was a certain point where I didn't want to eat anymore because I didn't want to get fat, you know, being 19. I'm like, I'm just sitting here. And my parents were really good. I remember my dad would like force me to get out of the house and go out to lunch with them type of thing just to get me outside. And friends visited, but there's only so much they can do. And they can't relate at that point. And it's pretty hard at that age as well to show like empathy for certain types of situations. So totally. Yeah. What about, okay. So then it like, it sounded like it was such an easy thing to be like, okay, so I'm better. And now I'm switching to running. I'm curious about two things. A, was there any pain with that? And B, was there support from like your family and your doctors? Because you know how sometimes if you get an injury, so I am 36 and when I was 20, I had knee problems and a lot of the feedback from doctors was like, well, you shouldn't run so much instead of like, this is what you can do so that you can be active. I'm wondering what your experience was like that with that. And you were, like I'm going to do a marathon. Yeah. I don't remember the doctor saying anything, but um, my dad ran every day, just the dog around the neighborhood. So I just started joining him and then I just ran longer and longer and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Um, I did go back to skateboarding a little bit, but just to mess around on the vert ramps um, because I was definitely scared of hurting myself. I tried yeah. snowboarding the next season, but I, it wasn't fun. It took me forever to get down the mountain. I'm like, this isn't even worth it. Like I'm over it. So um, I had a lot of support from my family um, for running. They, they were actually glad that I switched to running because it was safer. <laughs> 
little did they know you were going to find that extreme edge of it and be like, well, what if I just uh, run until pretty, I'm so tired I'm sleeping? <laughs> yeah, because my dad was track and and I invited him out to my first hundred miler. It was loop course. Uh, so he, he could just hang out the finish line, drink some beers with my crew and leave when he got tired type of thing. And he was just like, this is incredible. My husband is listening to the first, a podcast about the first ever ultra race. And it was from Bellingham to Mount Baker in 1911. And you could take any route you wanted. You just had to get there. And so the part where they had to go across some of the glacier, they wanted to go at night because it was colder. So it was safer because there wasn't Mm. so much movement, but there were no headlamps. So they were going by candle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wouldn't the candles just go out? And he was like, yeah, they did. So they just fell in rivers. Like, Holy oh, shit. Geez. <laughs> Come a long way to be like, oh, I only have this many lumens. Like, <laughs> and technology. And I just learned about the Gaia app about a year ago. <laughs> I'm like, where has this been my whole life? <laughs> so you get into your first uh, 50K. Obviously, it went pretty well if you eventually decided to do a 100 miler. Where were you in your life at that point as far as uh, career and things like that? Because you talk about sacrifices. Was that time, social, family? What did you sacrifice to get through that first 100 miler? Uh, well, that was kind of at the end of COVID. So I don't feel like I really sacrificed anything for the 100 miler. I have a lot, like a lot of my friends are runners. So that's like what we do. We just go run together 20 miles, you know, like, Hey, let's do a 20 miler today. Um, I do make Sunday rest day and that's family day. So I do, I'm really close to my family. Um, my husband is very supportive and he's a soccer player. So when he goes out Saturdays, he's, he's out playing pickup ball all day. And I go do my long run on Saturdays and we come back home and we're on the couch broken the rest of the day watching TV. So that works out great. We don't have any kids. So I guess that helps. Um, we have two rescued pit bulls that are our babies. And, um, when we want to hang out with kids, we just babysit my niece and nephew. And then we're pretty happy to give them back and get it because it's exhausting. <laughs> oh man. The amount of times I wish I could just had somebody to give my three-year-old back to is <laughs> like, <laughs> we're like, Woo, we lasted 24 hours this time. Wow. <laughs> That's good. You went through all the range of emotions. If you went 24 hours, that's good. Yeah. So we have slumber parties and we have them over. We love them. They're awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and like have so much energy. <laughs> inadvertently what they're watching you guys do or you especially is so cool too and so much impact so I love that the next generation gets to see this because it's becoming so much bigger for females especially they get to see women do these things like my kid is sometimes just like mommy I, I need some exercise and I was like yes that's yes that's my well I got them sure. to do the little fourth of July run with me and they insisted on wearing their hydration packs <laughs> Oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know what? The the pacing for children, I find they go out of the gate pretty hard. That's yes. The, that's the key. There's full sprint, full sprint. Okay. So I'm just looking at your bio here and I want to talk about um, the disease that you were diagnosed with. And I am not confident enough to try and pronounce that. Pronounce so it. Can, <laughs> can you talk us through what went on? What did you start to feel? And what did you ultimately get diagnosed with? So um, when I was running and stuff, I noticed after runs, um, I felt really nauseous and sick. Um, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's my hydration or, 
you know, fuel, doing something wrong. And then it just kind of got worse and worse. And sometimes after a run on Saturday, I would just be in bed the rest of the day, not feeling good. I'm like, this isn't right. Like I would feel dizzy all the time. And I started getting all this ringing in my ear, uh, my left ear. And then one day I was walking down the stairs to go to work in the morning and I almost fell like, and my husband saw it. He's like, that was crazy. You need to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor and I explained all the hearing um, issues I was having with my ear and the dizzy and the nausea. And they're like, we're going to run a bunch of tests. We think we know what it is. You need to see an ear, nose, throat specialist. So I did all these tests with them. um, And I was diagnosed with Meniere's disease in 2015. And it's a disease or disorder of the inner eardrum um, that messes with your balance and gives you vertigo. So, um, there's not really a cure for it. You can take medication to kind of keep the symptoms away, but I do, I have lost 40% of hearing in my left ear. Um, but I'm pretty lucky. I'm able to control it a lot with diet and exercise. And then one medication I take at night before bed. That's super interesting. Um, because like they found it quite fast then, because that sounds to me like thyroid initially. Uh, which is pretty common, low thyroid, feeling very sick kind of at the end of the day or not recovering, right? Yeah. So it was dizzy spells, uh, the ringing in the ear, the fullness of the ear, um, and then the nausea is was the main issues with me. Yeah, nausea. That's scary too. Yeah. Um, and then I did get a, a couple, um, I had a, a total of three really bad vertigo attacks and one left me in bed for like four days and I couldn't work out for about a month. Wow. So it, it so um, uh, they have you on, people who have this disorder, you're supposed to be on a very low sodium diet, 1500 milligrams a day, which is like, you know, a quarter of a burrito <laughs> like, or a, a cup of, not even a cup of ramen soup, um, if anyone tracks their food. So I had to track and measure all my food until I kind of figured out what sodium is in. Um, what so what does sodium have to do how does that affect it so it makes the eardrum or the ear inner ear retain water and then it retains so much water it bursts and that's when you get the vertigo attack okay so the super interesting thing about that is if you are running in the heat you need salt so how do you find that balance what happens so it was a lot about learning my body, uh, working with my coach, documenting everything. So for this past year to, to make sure my sodium levels were on point for Moab, um, I had to document how much sodium milligrams I had per how many liters of water I drank. And um, I am going to get a professional sodium test soon because they have people out there who do that. But yeah, it was just a lot of reading my body and taking notes after every run how I felt. So if you're in the middle of a race and you're cramping, like for me, if I have anything going on, I just start shooting pickle juice and it's gone immediately. Or I pop some salt pills. Yeah. You can't. So I just take half the amount as as normal people. Say a normal person takes what? Two salt pills every hour. I'll take one type of thing. Man, talk about an extra level of complication. Yeah. And that's scary because if a vertigo attack hits me during a race, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm like. And then to try to differentiate between nausea from just the race in general or a vertigo attack, that's scary. Um, I ran a 50-miler race where the race went amazing, but um, after the race, as soon as I got in the car, I got so sick from the car movement, triggered it, Mm -hmm. 
And I was throwing up the entire two ride car, uh, two hour ride home in my friend's car. So luckily she has three kids. So she's like, oh, kids throw up in here all the time. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's not wrong. (laughs) Wow. That's pedatas. Um, And so there's nothing they can do for the hearing loss. Nope. I just kind of learned to deal with it and uh, take every good day I have for granted. Um, it takes me longer to recover compared to most people. There's certain times during the week where I'm like, oh, I got, I need an extra rest day today, or I take a lot of naps because it just drains you more. Wow. Yeah, I bet. And mentally dealing with that, taking extra rest days, I think that's kind of important because we definitely get a lot of people who are uncomfortable even taking one rest day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that challenging for you or are you just, nope. how do you deal? I have no problem with two rest days. I'm totally that's okay so with that. I have, so I have plenty of non-running friends and non-running activities I do. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny. We do get into that conversation a lot where people, especially because it's such like a community trail running where they end up like your only kind of stress release or sense of community is other runners. So that when you get injured, you're kind of like, oh, uh oh, I have like no way to burn off any of this, anything. Just want to take a quick second to talk about our newest sponsors. First one is Oladance earbuds. So these are open earbud design, which means they're truly comfortable and amazing for podcast listeners, runners, and music listeners. If you are listening to more than two hours a day, these are for you. They never enter the ear. So there's no ear fatigue. They're anti-hear loss, meaning that they're perfect for podcast or music listening while you are running, exercising, cleaning the house, or whatever it is that you're doing, but they fit securely and stay firm on your ears. They also have a three times bigger dynamic driver, meaning that it is a wearable stereo with 360 degrees superior sound. The best part for us is that they are safe. So even though you are listening to your favorite podcast, brackets, this one, You never lose track of what's happening around you, which is keeping you safe while keeping you in the moment. So right now, you can check them out at oladance.com backslash TRW. That's O-L-A-D-A-N-C-E dot com backslash TRW and use discount code TRW20 to get 20% off your first purchase. That is an amazing deal. So go check them out, oladance.com backslash TRW, use discount code TRW20 at checkout for trail running women. That's TRW20 at checkout for 20% off. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I keep hearing about it on all of the podcasts to do with nutrition and sports and athletics that I really trust. And I needed a few things. First of all, gut health is so important and it translates into your mental capacity to perform as well as your recovery. And I needed to be able to get all of the vitamins and minerals I need for performing and training and just having energy to also take care of kids and live life and hopefully do everything I can do to not get one of the weird sicknesses that three-year-olds bring home from daycare. And I have now started sneaking in little bits into my son's smoothies because they actually taste good. And I try as hard as I can to get him vegetables and fruit and everything that he needs. And every once in a while, he just pulls a kid move where he only has crackers for dinner. So at least I can feel like he got some nutrition into his body and we can build from there. 
So again, it's made with 75 hot, super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients that deliver so many benefits like mood, immune system, sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP. That's athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP for Trail Running Women podcast and check it out. Ultra Buds, by the way, is the best name for a running group I've ever heard. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. Way to start that. I'm I'm impressed with that. Um, So then moving into 2016, you got into Spartan. Uh, So that's kind of fun. Tell us what made you want to do a Spartan race. Oh, yeah. So one of the guys I met through my boot camp, the same boot camp where I got into ultra running, uh, he opened up a Spartan gym in Oceanside, uh, San Diego, uh, and it's called MROC, Mud Run Obstacle Course Racing. And uh, when it comes to gyms, I want something hard. That's why I had the boot camp. And that was during that whole boot camp phase. Uh, So I started training at his gym and he had all the obstacles there. And he told me, he's like, once you do a Spartan race, you're never going to go back to ultras. I'm like, really? Okay. So it's kind of nice because it, it like makes you work different muscles, all that upper body that you don't necessarily do in uh, running or as much in running. So super fun, great community, gym community, did my first Spartan race. It was amazing. Um, and I was with a bunch of people there. I don't know for, for our listeners here, Spartan races has three different levels. There's the open, which is people who are kind of newbies. You don't have to do burpee penalties. You can have help with the obstacles. Um, it's just more fun. Right. And then there's age group where you're actually competing for a podium. Uh, if you miss an obstacle, you have to do 30 burpees and it's more competitive. And then there's the elite, which is like the professional Spartan racers who actually get prize money when they compete. Right. So, uh, I skipped the whole open newbie (laughs) category and went straight to age group. So definitely had to do all my burpees if I missed obstacles and yeah, it was fun. I still like ultras better, but I like to do one or two Spartan races a year just to like mix things up and, uh, get a little change and a new challenge. Yeah. I love that. I get it into a couple of CrossFit things for the same reason. And I think you inadvertently, that type of cross training just helps you stay injury free as well, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Or you get more injured uh, during the Spartan race. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Also that (laughs) we had like a, in it, like a random deadlift competition on Saturday. And I was like, okay, well now I'm wrecked for the rest of the week. So that's cool. But I mean, if you're going to run 240 miles, there's like a level of just, I'm going to do ridiculous stuff. I think that you probably live at. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So I also want to touch a little bit on your marketing and communications company, because I think that's really interesting. Um, Obviously you started it and you're working with some pretty big brands already. So what gave you the idea and how did you get going with that? Uh, Yeah. So I was a marketing director in the whole corporate world and um, I kind of wanted to move up the corporate ladder. So I went back to school, went to grad school um, and I got my master's in business administration. And I started going on all these crazy senior level interviews. And during the interviews, I had one interview that was like four hours long. They even printed out a schedule for me when my breaks were because I had an interview with like every um, head department person. 
And I'm like, gosh, there's so many rules in corporate. When am I going to get a chance to run? Like, are they going to let me run on my lunch break here? Or am I going to run it? That, all that, that's all that was going through my head. And with all the speakers and mentors I had during grad school, I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm starting my own business. I'm a marketing person. I have all the tools to succeed. Um, and I was really into social media during that time. And there's a lot, so many small businesses um, just in the community where I live, San Marcos, uh, where they know the importance of social media, they need social media help, but they don't have the resources to hire a full-time person. So I kind of became this freelance social media person, and I had about 15 clients, all small businesses. Um, I started with really low rates, and um, but all those you know incomes added up at the end of the month for one nice income. So I started my business. Within nine months, I was making the same amount of money I was working corporate minus the benefits, but I wasn't sitting on the couch. I was going out there. I was working it. People who know me know I work hard. I will get off my butt. I will get out there, network, network, network. Um, since I had the marketing and graphic design background, I was able to build my own website, market my own brand. Um, I had so many connections from school and I just built my business. And then my, my main goal was, hey, one day I want to only do social media or marketing for running companies. So I just started networking um, and continuing in that direction. And uh, next thing you know, I'm uh, only working with running brands. So I have four brands I work with today and it's amazing. I get to talk to professional athletes all day. I write all the blogs. I do social media. I go to the events and I love my job and I couldn't be happier with it. What I'm finding that is such a theme for you, obviously for your whole life actually, is just this sense of fearlessness to go after what you want, which I mean, sounds pretty simple, but it's not. And I talk to a lot of people where like the biggest hurdle for them ever is even just pressing the sign up button. Oh, um, that's so funny. Cause that's one of my quotes to people, press the button. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm an instigator with my friends. Just Yeah, I don't doubt that. I do not doubt that <laughs> at all. <laughs> so where do you think that ability to just go after what you want came from? Is that something you were born with or something your parents taught you? I think my parents for sure. Yeah. My dad was my first coach. He was a mean coach. He was one of those people who yelled and screamed, you know, he didn't care if you were a girl or a boy. <laughs> so by the time I got to high school and I had a coach who really yelled, like I was the one girl who never cried. I'm like, <laughs> my dad yelled at me my whole life coaching. <laughs> um, yeah, my dad has the quote, always go for the juggler. So that's what he kind of told <laughs> my brother and I was were little. He, so not only was he track, he also did football. So he always said, yeah. go for the juggler. And my mom was a pretty strong lady too. She uh, always was into school. She always went back to school, community college, whether it was to get certificates so that she could move up in her job or just to learn a new skill. So I think maybe that's why I really liked school. Um, I was really good in school. I actually loved high school. I didn't have bad experiences in high school, really. Um, went to community college and then I transferred to UC San Diego and then I went to grad school. So I think, yeah, I'm pretty lucky with my parents. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And obviously, okay, so I have two questions. Was there a fear of failure with any of these things? Oh, absolutely. Everything, especially starting my own business. Like I, I mean, we had a mortgage, you know, and San Diego isn't cheap. It was very scary. Like, how am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be a successful company? 
Am I going to be able to pay all my bills? Like I have student loan bills. So how do you get over that fear to still go after what you want? And it can be pertaining to anything in your life because people will hear that and it will help them overcome the fear that they probably have. And it could be anywhere in their life too. But a lot of the questions we get for some of our trail tips episode is like, I don't know if I should sign up for this 20K or this 35K because what if I don't finish it? So when you have that, like, what if this doesn't work out thought, how do you get past that and go for it anyway? Uh, I've surrounded myself with pretty positive people, um, getting rid of the negative people in your life, which is really hard, especially if they're family members, Mm -hmm. but cutting out those people, negative people, keep the positive people in your life, having great mentors. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of books. Um, so that kind of motivates me having good coaches in your life or teachers in your life. Um, and also I just have the mindset of you never know what you're capable of until you try it. And failure is not a bad negative thing. We learn something with every race, whether we cross the finish line or not. And there's always room for improvement and there's always room for growth. Yes, for sure. I love that. What about, and this may be something you haven't thought about. It's just something that comes up sometimes because of being 41 when you've done these great things forever, do you think, or have you thought about, will your relationship with running and where you are in the standings as you get older um, change? Will that matter? Like, and I'm talking like six or seven years when there's a 35 year old that physically is just hard to keep up with. Um, What are your thoughts about growing with the sport? Oh, I've already been dealing with that. (laughs) It's like a joke me and my older friends have when like a fast person, you know, runs with us. We're like, oh, they're still in their 20s. (laughs) Yeah, And I didn't want to bring it up. I'm like, I don't want to put this thought in your head if you haven't had it yet. But it's so interesting because my my friends are approaching that. So how do you how do you deal with that? Um, Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I have so many older friends. Like I have a friend at my CrossFit and he's like 70 and he's still doing CrossFit. I'm like, psh. That's awesome. We have a, for San Diego people, George Greco, he's like 72 and he does ultras all the time and he doesn't even run them. He's out there with his hiking sticks and he will beat you with his hiking sticks, power hiking these ultras. Uh, My mom's 70 years old and she's the walk leader of ultra buds and she doesn't care if she can't run. She's out there at everything. She's uh, uh, the race director's number one volunteer too. So even though she can't necessarily run, She's out there involved. She goes to every event, uh, usually volunteering or helping or doing something. So yeah, um, running can still, the ultra world can still be a big part of you, even if you can't race. For sure. And I think we are particularly lucky with our sports as well, where it is such a community like that. And there is something to be said for experience and why that guy's going to beat you with his walking sticks. Um, Yeah. Also, I'm I'm big on the walking sticks. I've picked up tennis. That's how I'm dealing with it. (laughs) And man, these age differences now, it's like a full-on party out there. (laughs) Totally, right? You just get to experience something different. My friend is like epically fast and she ran a 10K race the other day and she was like, yeah, I finished. And then turned around as um, another girl we run with, her eight-year-old son was like 20 feet behind her. She's like, what the hell? (laughs) we're really we're really getting aged out now (laughs) 
So I want to talk a bit about Moab 240, uh, but we are going to save the majority of that for our conversation later with um, Alyssa, who did win it. But can you give us a couple of um, of highlights going or, or lowlights uh, going into a race of that kind of epic distance, especially when you're like, OK, so people talk about, well, I've only done, you know, 18 miles. Can I run a marathon? Um, you probably only trained half of the distance is my best guess, which would have been a hundred mile race. Like, what is it like with that amount of distance? Oh, uh, it was a lot of back to back to backs, a lot okay. of time on my feet hiking in the mountains. So when I say there was a lot of sacrifices, it was because the time involved in the training, there was just so much time. I mean, cause you go out on a Saturday, you spend eight hours on your feet you're, you're not going to go uh, to a family barbecue after that. Or at least I'm not. I'm on the couch the rest of the day, like sleeping. So <laughs> um, just took a lot of time. I worked with my coach, did everything he told me to. He's really into strength training as well. So I think that was super important. There's, um, I think I had two days a week, I would have doubles where I do strength um, in the gym and then followed by a run. Um, so very specific training for that. We worked on nutrition, hydration, the whole sodium issue. Um, I would train in super hot temperatures. I would train in the rain, um, getting the gear for the proper gear. Cause there's a mandatory gear list. But when it came down to the race, I just took it like any other race, aid station to aid station and, um, problem solving. Cause there's a lot that happens to the body during 240 miles. Let me tell you. <laughs> What was the worst thing that happened to your body during 200? So I was mostly worried about either a vertigo attack or throwing up. I've never puked during a race and I know it's, you know, pretty common for people and they come back from it. And I'm like, I just don't know how I would ever come back if I start puking during a race. So that was like my main fears. Um, but it ended up being my feet, all the blisters. I got so many blisters, even though I started my foot care routine right at aid station number one. I still got so many blisters. Um, I didn't even know the feet could get that many blisters. And uh, so every aid station, the medics would just scalpel my blisters and tape it and say, see you at the next aid station, suck it up. <laughs> like pretty much is what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's a, always all my races too. It ends up being the feet more than anything. Um, what do you think? Would you do anything different? Would you tape beforehand next time, do you think? Yeah. So I did, I had never taped beforehand, so I didn't want to try something new on race day, but I had purchased all the tape and one of my crew knows how to tape as well. Um, and I didn't have any problems at my hundred miler. Of course, I've only done one 100 miler, uh, never had any problems in training or the long hikes, but you know, the terrain's different out there and everyone's different, their feet. So, um, I bought that book. My coach had me buy that book recently, uh, fix your feet. So, um, it's a pretty big book, but I'm going to read it all. I'm going to maybe try different shoes. I've been wearing the Brooks Cascadias for the past eight years without any issues, but I'm completely open to different shoes, pre-taping. Yeah, I'm definitely open to everything. <laughs> yeah, especially these multi-day events. That's There's got to be a way, if you're fit enough and your body feels good, to just figure your feet out. Yeah. Moving forward... Do you, I mean, it's hard to top a race like that. What are your biggest goals for the future? Um, actually, I'm going to look more into FKTs. So uh, oh. I actually did 
I actually interviewed two athletes this year, female athletes, um, who kind of shared with me their FKT story and introduced me to that. Um, there's a woman who FKT project based out of Yeah, Oregon. I just interviewed them. And the last two episodes that aired are um, interviewing all the five leaders of the women who FKT. Yeah. And I'm like, they're, you know, there's women just don't even attempt them, these FKTs. And I'm like, well, why? You know, what What do they have to lose? No one, there's no time to beat yet. You just got to go out there and try it. So um, I, when I was out in Idaho this summer training, uh, my brother recently got a ranch out in the mountains kind of area. Uh, there's no one who's even tried the unsupported Boise Greenbelt. It's like flat, like pretty much road. So I did it one day. So um, I set the FKT for the unsupported female and it, no one's tried it for years. And then sure enough, uh, during Moab, another female went out there and broke my record. So I was like, that's so rad. I just inspired someone to go try it. So um, I'm going to search for different FKTs. I think it's a great excuse for me to go and travel. <laughs> so I love traveling. Uh, my husband and I have a little van that we have a little sleeper in the back. So he's like, as long as there's fishing around for him or mountain biking for him, he's all about. Yeah, it's so much fun. And it is like, you get doomed on your own schedule in an epic place. And yeah, you nailed on your head when you said women don't even try them. So yeah. the whole point of our last interviews was being like, wait a minute, this isn't for front of the pack people only. This is like, what if you are the grittiest person or you love the hottest weather and the biggest climb? Like you can make a route that is just straight up on a desert could really. And then having to plan the logistical side of it is a whole other really cool part of the sport that I love. Yeah. And I feel like my husband, uh, he, he drove the van during Moab. He has learned so much. He could totally just be my crew. <laughs> I'm vol I'm volunteering him again. <laughs> that's that's impressive. My husband could be my crew, but I feel like the ease to which I would just want to rip his head off is uh <laughs> it's too the the line is too fine. <laughs> okay, last two questions. What is your favorite meal post race? Ooh. That's a tough one. I think about cheese pizza with pineapple. Yes, I put pineapple on my cheese pizza. But I like that. <laughs> when I cross the finish line, I just never know how I'm going to feel. But I do think about food toward the end. Um, I like grilled cheese from In-N-Out with the French fries or just cheese and pineapple pizza. And I usually drink a beer. Um, before a, a major race, I won't drink for four to six weeks. So that, you know, just to be an optimal performance for Moab, yeah, I didn't difference. drink for 75 days before nice. Moab. So I was very thirsty for that beer at the finish line. <laughs> I, had it, I had it ready for me. <laughs> That's awesome. And that makes such a big difference. Um, you are the first person in however many interviews that has said grilled cheese. <laughs> I love it. blows my mind because I'm like, yeah, of course, of course, that's what you'd have. <laughs> Okay. And very last question. If you could describe Moab 240 in three words, what would they be? Hot, cold, magical. <laughs> Again, I think hot and cold are two new words in this um, million <laughs> words that I've had offered now. Thank you so much. Your story is so epic. I love it. And your energy is so good. Like it's no wonder that you made this career work. I'm, I'm not surprised at all. If people want to reach out to you or find more about your marketing, uh, where can they get you? Uh, Instagram is the best way to find me. I'm 
always engaging with people on Instagram. Okay. And your Instagram is ultra underscore Izzy B. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. So you'll be easy to find. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, good luck on all your endeavors. And I can't wait to see what FKT times you put up. Thanks. Yep.